is is slowly in, improving. They've brought in a lot of uh, laws and rules that uh, that encourage uh, better behaviour. But as it was in other markets, it, it's uh, a work in progress. And what about um, companies and, and their subsidiaries? You, you, I know you've been looking at that as well, haven't you, about activist targets in, in listed subsidiaries there. What have you been finding? Yeah, it's a, it's a very dirty situation, isn't it? So um, broadly, um, one in five companies in Japan is a listed subsidiary. And think about mm. that. Um, if uh, one listed company owns just over half of a, uh, another listed company, then the minority shareholders are in danger of being, uh, having their pockets picked. And in the U.S., the burden of proof is on the uh, majority shareholders to prove that they're not abusing minority shareholders. And we don't have rules like that yet in Japan. Uh, and so there's a push to say, well, they ought to at least have a majority of outside um, outside directors, which is mandated uh, for all companies in, uh, in the U.S., for example. Uh, and so we're moving that direction. It's been discussed uh, at very high level, but it hasn't been, uh, been done yet. But actually what we're finding is those kind of uh, stocks are being bought in, particularly by the, um, the, the sort of 51% donor, and that they're getting taken out at a 50, uh, sorry, at a, a 30, 35% uh, uh, premium. So looking for those kind of targets is actually a reasonable um, uh, business investment. Nick, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks very much. That's Nick Smith, Japan strategist at CLSA in Tokyo. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. In Tokyo, the Nikkei 225 is down about two-thirds of 1%. Right now, the SX200 in Australia also on the slide, down three-quarters of a percent. Over in South Korea, the Cosby is off a third of a percent and looks like the Hang Seng is going to open about 70 or 80 points lower later on this morning. Gold is trading at $1,799 an ounce and Brent crude oil also slipping as well now at $42.17 a barrel. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock for more Money Talk. The weather forecast for today are going to be fine and very hot. Maximum temperature is going to be about 34 degrees, hot with sunny periods and one or two showers in the next couple of days. The very hot weather warning is in force. 29 degrees right now, 77% relative humidity. 8.32, here's Samantha Butler with the half hour news. The head of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union says private doctors have an important role in persuading patients to take COVID-19 tests. Dr Henry Yeung says Hong Kong has had a low mortality rate from the new coronavirus and he puts this down to early detection, isolation and treatment. Patients should comply with first advice to undergo the COVID test. So long we have been encountering patients who did not want to take the test. Altogether about uh, 40 to 50 percent of them didn't want to take the test for various sorts of reasons. And we have been persuading them all along. And I think the government should make one big step to encourage the patients. Any patients with upper respiratory symptoms and uh, gastroenteritis should undergo the test. Because I've said, said before, early treatment is the most important thing. After health officials yesterday reported a record rise in local transmissions of the virus, social distancing measures will be tightened, including compulsory face masks on public transport, the closure of leisure outlets for at least a week, no evening dining in restaurants and public gatherings limited to a maximum of four people. Washington is opening another front in its war of words with Beijing and says it's treating its pursuit of resources in the South China Sea as illegal. It's also accused Beijing of bullying other countries to further its claims. Sean Kennedy reports. 
The United States has long rejected China's claims in the South China Sea, but Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has gone a step further. After years of saying it wouldn't take sides, the United States is now explicitly supporting Southeast Asian nations. Mr Pompeo also endorsed the 2016 findings of an international panel in favour of the Philippines in one dispute. He also denounced China's claims over the Spratly Islands, where Beijing earlier this year announced administrative districts which would allow it to expand its maritime claims. The British government has made the wearing of face coverings compulsory in shops and supermarkets in England from next week. A statement from the Prime Minister's office said there was growing evidence that wearing a face covering in an enclosed space helps protect individuals and those around them. Here's the BBC's Jessica Parker. From Friday of next week in England, it will be compulsory to wear a face covering in shops or supermarkets. Failure to follow the rules under public health law could result in a fine of up to £100. Shop workers will be asked to encourage compliance, but enforcement, Downing Street says, will be carried out by the police. As with public transport in England, children under the age of 11 and people with certain disabilities will be exempt. You're listening to the news on RTHK. and welcome to Bank Chat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today is Ada Wong. Ada, good morning to you. Good morning, Hugh. We're talking today about the weekend's pan-democratic primaries. Preliminary results showed the more than half a million voters favoured young activists and localists over the traditional pan-democrats. Lawmaker Helena Wong failed to make the cut in Kowloon West, while Wu Chi Wai barely made it in Kowloon East, and Kwok Ka Ki only squeaked through in New Territories West. Benny Tai, who helped organise the primary, says he was very encouraged by the turnout and that the opposition could end up winning 45 seats or more. The chief executive, though, warned the primary could amount to an act of subversion under the new NSL. Earlier, the Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Bureau said they'd received complaints that the primaries may have allegedly interfered with and manipulated the elections and jeopardised the integrity of the electoral process. It said some complaints were also alleged the crowds breached the ban on large gatherings and some were concerned at the lack of protection of personal data collected from the public, which might lead to misuse. Do you agree? Is the split between localists and traditional Democrats getting wider? Who will actually be chosen? What are their chances of actually standing? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Bankchat and RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, bankchat at rthk.hk, or you can give us a call. And our telephone number is 233-88266. We look forward to hearing from you, 233-88266. We're joined in this first part of the programme by Anne Notking, former lawmaker, uh, who one also one of the uh, coordinators of the primaries, and political analyst Benson Wong. Others, uh, including Audrey Yu, will be joining us uh, after the news at nine. Once again, back rthk.hk. Just a couple of emails before we get to today's topic relating to our discussion yesterday about um, uh, COVID-19 measures. Uh, John Sai Kung says your lady caller, Miss Ling, hit the nail on the head. Countless doctors' opinions ignored by Centre for Health Protection, ignored by government common sense, such as cancelling book fair, ignored. And Martin has a comment on uh, Yan Li Meng, uh, the uh, Hong Kong doctor who went to the uh, US. Uh, Martin says there are reasons to treat what uh, Yan Li Meng says with caution. The US-based Chinese website Wenshu City titled its post 
on the interview with Jan, Fox exclusive interview with the defector expert who uh, uh, Guo Wenguei rescued. She wants to expose the truth between COVID behind COVID-19. Guo Wenguei is, of course, the dodgy, exiled, tweeting billionaire who has some kind of insalubrious association with Steve Bannon. Further pointers of a Guo Wenguei association, the video blogger that Yan leaked information to is identified in the article as US-based Hong Kong blogger Lu De. Uh, Lu appeared on the recent Guo Wenguei Steve Bannon live stream announcing the new federal state of China. If Guo Wenguei and Steve Bannon are involved, I will remain very sceptical about her claims. I would not trust Guo and Bannon have pushed their own agenda for how the world should think about the coronavirus. That comes from uh, Martin. Uh, OK, back to the uh, primaries. Uh, Anne Nakim, good morning to you. Good morning. Thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. Um, what do you make of the results? Let's talk about the results first of all. What sort of picture do we get from those voters of who they want to stand? Um, actually, uh, you can see first, uh, there are really lots of uh, Hong Kong people coming out to vote for uh, the pan-democrat candidates, whatever uh, any faction that they uh, support. Uh, and that is, uh, I mean, uh, six uh, six, uh, six, uh, 600,000 people are uh, really big numbers. Uh, and you can see uh, from the tentative results, uh, many people supporting uh, the candidates, which is uh, quite uh, relatively uh, uh, radical uh, candidates, which means uh, uh, they, they, they would like to have to support the, uh, the candidates that uh, would have a much more progressive uh, stance that uh, to have uh, a further, uh, 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 much more firm and much more uh, uh, confrontational tactics uh, in the coming uh, legislative council. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think uh, what is the most, uh, the most, uh, the, the most uh, important thing that I treasure is the coordination itself. Uh, under proportional representation system, uh, we know that uh, it is not the game of maximizing votes but the coordination in order to win uh, within the logic of the election. Um, but as you said, you know, the, uh, the, the more moderate factions um, cannot get in, which means that, for example, in some constituencies, um, the candidates to be, um, uh, to be fielded um, might all come from almost the same camp. And um, so, for example, in Kowloon West, we, you have Helena Wong, who couldn't make, you know, the, the first four or the first five. And so uh, she would not be um, handing in her, um, her, her, her nominations uh, this coming weekend and next week. And, oh, yeah. and so what, what, what could her voters do? Her voters would have to pick um, uh, somebody like Sonny Chung or somebody like um, uh, Mr. Shem. I think uh, at least uh, under representation, uh, I mean, uh, proportional uh, representation system, uh, that uh, strategic voting is quite common, uh, and uh, we, uh, as the whole camp, ha ha has to consider uh, whether uh, any suitable, other suitable candidates that you can support. And the most, uh, the most important thing is uh, whether uh, uh, the, any any people, uh, whatever Helena Wong uh, or any party that could not get into the list uh, that they, they, they are able to support uh, the other candidates in order to continue the support uh, in the entire election. And that is uh, 
the um, how 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 the game could be won. Uh, and uh, I hope I hope that I hope that it could be happen, and so that so that uh, uh, even uh, the voters uh, may not be eligible to choose uh, some of the candidates, but they can choose the another candidates in order to make the whole uh, situation could be succeed. Will they do that though? Do you think that the tradi- people who vote for the traditional Democrats won't they maybe just stay at home uh, if, if they're only offered radical uh, candidates? Actually, that is the hurdle that we ca- we have to bypass. Uh, actually, uh, I think uh, we never try this. Uh, maybe we are not able to do that. Uh, but I think uh, if, if we can't do that, uh, that uh, we we uh, I mean I mean I mean the whole. I mean, the whole uh, uh, plan for uh, 35 plus uh, could uh, not be happen. Uh, so that uh, we just uh, try to think about uh, uh, whether it could be done, and uh, hope that uh, at least uh, most of the uh, voters uh, could try to have uh, such coordination, so that uh, uh, the, the imagination for uh, the whole brand could be succeed. Because uh, that uh, most of us uh, could be uh, could can can do that uh, under uh, under the system. Uh, and uh, uh, win the majority uh, so that we can uh, have more seats proportionally uh, countering uh, the Beijing side. Right, but there's no guarantee that those who could make the list would still um, hand in the nomination. Um, Actually, uh, we are going to have a uh, meeting together to discuss uh, uh, what, what is the next. Uh, for different constituencies, so uh, from the starting point uh, for for each candidate uh, that participated in the 35 plus, uh, we will uh, we we just uh, have a meeting to have a promise together of uh, whether we are going to participate in or not. Uh, so uh, it is about a mutual promise. Uh, actually, I have to emphasize uh, there is no. Uh, never a compulsory uh, for, 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 for this sense. Uh, so uh, that would be a limitation, but uh, I mean, uh, for the pan-democrats, so for ourselves, uh, what we can rely on is the mutual promises uh, that we can uh, commit. Are you worried at all that the, uh, the administration could rule that uh, they consider the uh, this to have been a breach of national security legislation and other uh, legislations, and that uh, every candidate who took part will not be allowed to take, will not be allowed to stand. The DQ, a lot of them. I think it does not make sense. Uh, according to uh, Professor Benny Tai, uh, as I always emphasise, uh, under uh, the current uh, uh, law uh, and regulations, uh, we can't see uh, any ground that. Uh, uh, it, it is breaching a national security law. But, uh, yeah, as you know, that uh, it may have another in- interpretation by the government or by uh, the Beijing. Uh, so uh, we, never, we never have any estimation uh, if it is beyond common sense. So uh, that is the thing that um, we, we have to consider. Uh, but uh, the thing is that uh, uh, if we can do it, uh, legally, and we've been the current framework. You see, you see, it's quite easily done, isn't it? Because the DOJ has just got to give advice to the returning officers that all those who took part in the primaries have breached the law. Yes, uh, but, the law but I think, yeah, that is the point. I think uh, at least DOJ 
has to set up uh, the, the framework in order to say, oh, what is legal and illegal. According to the current uh, discussion in the LegCo, uh, even Theresa Chen, uh, she cannot. She even cannot uh, say, "Oh, uh, what 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 is what is more important? What or what is uh, what, which uh, whether basic law or national security law has a, uh, a higher standard within the current uh, legal system?" Uh, she even cannot answer, uh, and that is the most important uh, point, point in the in the current framework. Is which means that uh, oh, uh, they just accuse us. Oh, uh, uh, if uh, you are going to um, object uh, the the budget, uh, so that uh, you may uh, have uh, uh, breaching the national security law, but uh, but uh, full, um, I mean I mean voting uh, objection in the budget uh, is something uh, a content written in basic law. If basic law has a high standard, why? Uh, you are trying to say that, uh, oh, oh, because uh, you are uh, you have to breach to breach uh, uh, national security law. So uh, we 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 just think that a basic law is inferior. Benson Wong, good morning to you. Good morning, everyone. Th- thank you much indeed, political analyst. Isn't this a there's a problem with primaries? Uh, all all over the world is that the primaries are attra- the, the people who take part in the primaries are kind of the enthusiasts very often and often they're kind of more radical than the general public and you tend to get in primaries they will support more extreme candidates you see this all over the world than the general public and the general public might sort of drift to the middle and might may prefer the more moderate candidates um, uh, do you think that might have happened here? And do you think that you know you get you get a lot of pe- the young voters who will turn out for a, for a primary, um, but they don't necessarily reflect the the general population? Well, based on my observation at so-called polling stations on Sunday and Monday, uh, Saturday and Sunday, uh, one interesting observation that is, is quite uh, departed from what we understand is that in the past. We say oh, only the young people supported the radical Democrats, but right now, uh, we 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 I see um, the mid age people or even the old people also support the radical Democrats. Uh, that's totally out of our uh, ways of thinking. Uh, the whole implication is that, especially after the uh, enforcement of national security law, um, even though somewhat the moderate, they turn into uh, more radicals. They are intended to see some radical Democrats can be elected. Then within the uh, lawmaking body of the September, they can be doing more in terms of uh, resistance uh, within, the, within the council, which is a really clear message that uh, they want to deliver. Um, the, the more moderate cam uh, has been called the compromise cam. Uh, is this a, is this a new sentiment that uh, you know voters believe that um, uh, you know compromise is no long uh, is no longer there? It doesn't work anymore, and so they prefer somebody who is younger and somebody who's more radical. Uh, it depends on how we understand compromise. Uh, in case compromise in two ways, like the compromise work within the uh, so-called pan-democrat um, supporter or even members that they are able to understand uh, different kinds of strategies to maximize the impact brought uh, under the resistance within uh, and outside of the next coast. 
And other aspect is whether the government with the government can get something uh, for Hong Kong people interest. Uh, of course, for the both two aspects, um, the moderates, I understand more for the moderates, uh, they want to maximize their interest in terms of uh, getting the support uh, from the so-called moderate and radical supporters. But the point is, uh, because the whole uh, strategies or administration or even rate changes after July 1st, after the enforcement of the uh, uh, national uh, 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 security law, and the moderate seems to have no choice in face of a situation that the compromise may, may not be in place or even if not in place, that um, they will prefer much more uh, radical uh, candidates can be elected. What do you make, Benson Wong, of the um, the government response, those statements by the Chief Executive and the uh, Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Bureau? Um, we, we want to observe um, the actions or even those kinds of, um, like the primary elections or even the um, associated uh, political event, uh, we can see apart from the government officer or even chief executive, also the ESCO member also speak up about the disagreement about, of what the pan-democratic camp is doing. But this time there's only, uh, well, the um, mainland constitutional affairs officer, the officer, and also um, only the police served the, the uh, post office last Friday. And the probation lexical member or even the partition tend to be uh, keep silent at that moment. I don't know whether they may be afraid of uh, triggering the Mohan people come and vote uh, for the primary election. But uh, the most important point that we want to we want I want to bring is whether the national security security law actually is much more. Um, dominating than the basic law in terms of safeguarding the um, Hong Kong people's homes, um, political rights, which is really important. So you think the response has been kind of uh, muted? You don't think people are... Or are they just waiting for, waiting to be told what, how to react? Yeah, I think so. Um, and also, um, maybe from the perspective of probation camp, uh, they may worry that their criticism may trigger more on people uh, change their own mind in the coming September elections. So they would prefer keep silent or wait and see. Do you, think, do you think the turnout, the uh, relatively high turnout, it, it seems, was a reaction? Do you think, because some people were saying that actually, you know, raiding the um, Public Opinion Research Institute and making these statements and so on actually provoke people, it would turn, increase the turnout. Do you think that's true? Especially, and when the paper version of the still are, are still content, are still being counted at that stage, uh, given the very limited number of manpower to manage this aspect. Um, but at least uh, we can ob we observe uh, over fifty hundred thousand Hong Kong people uh, came out and worked. Uh, of course, it's not able to compare with. Uh, because in Hong Kong, there's no so-called primary elections participate by the voter in Hong Kong. But in the past, we do have uh, so-called coordination system within the pan-democratic camps. Uh, so uh, for the primary election with such a really uh, many uh, impact, 
in terms of number of voters came uh, out to vote, which is really uh, still need time for the Beijing camp to show how to respond in the right way. Okay, well, here's a very interesting email. This is this is from uh, Vic uh, talking about uh, uh, his uh, his beliefs and his approach. Uh, Vic says, Dear Back Chat, now that the primary held by the pandemics has been a success, non-aligned, free-thinking, open-minded voters like myself face a dilemma. Not being a member of any political party and being a Hong Kong loyalist, hope the people leading Hong Kong also display some loyalty towards Hong Kong and its residents, I debated whether to vote in the primary or not, as it was an internal matter concerning the pandemics. However, the extreme unreasonable statements made by the people in power and the Beijing loyalists stumbling over each other to prove their loyalty to their overlords made me step out of my comfort zone. Because of the tense political sentiment now prevailing in society, it would not be surprising if some of the more radical elements among the pandems who condone or even promote violence end up being shortlisted as candidates for the LegCo elections. If the pandems actually field those candidates, one can be almost sure that those proven to be disloyal to Hong Kong and whose behaviour has been deemed harmful to society will be weeded out by the Election Commission. Uh, While this will give those candidates candidates a reason to cry foul. Many level hong, level-headed Hong Kongers voters may be relieved at the disqualification of such radical elements. If some of the radicals somehow do not get filtered out by the EC and are listed on the ballot papers, right-minded individuals with Hong Kong's long-term interests in mind will be faced with a fresh dilemma to vote for the radicals, to vote for the opposition, or just abstain. Sometimes the choice one makes in life is not between good and bad. The choice one makes is between bad and less bad. So until votes for LegCo are cast, rational voters will remain undecided on their options, unless one of the several parties involved acts in a way that will f- that, w- that will force voters to make a decision and choose the lesser of the evils. With the primary, it was the government officials and Beijing loyalists who helped rational voters decide. Similarly, as LegCo elections draw closer, people can only hope that they are similarly helped in the decision-making process. From the short-sighted, irrational and self-defeating manner exhibited by various parties in the recent past, it's very likely that the decision-making on election day for rational voters will be made easier. Those thoughts come from Vic. Uh, Anok Hen, do do you kind of agree? Do you think that people uh, have not made up their minds yet? Uh, That people Uh will, a lot will depend on what happens between now and and the vote? I try to put it in a moderate way. Uh, We somehow have to accept uh, we are relatively in a very confrontation uh, situation uh, and which is uh, not uh, having a very good atmosphere to have uh, the conversation mutually. And uh, I know that there is also some candidates uh, just trying to say that, oh, uh, how about trying to make a consensus together uh, right now? But you know that uh, uh, somehow somehow it is a pseudo-hope uh, for, for example. Uh, and the coordination itself, I think, uh, it is a, uh, way to just, uh, try to balance with, uh, the, the another, uh, the, the provision camp. Because, uh, you know that, uh, for the project, provision camp, uh, for more than, uh, 10 years, they have already had their coordination. So that, uh, they try to happen, uh, by themselves to try to be, uh, united as some list. Uh, and that is the way that uh, we have to counteract this time. Uh, so, uh, but if, even if it's counteract, uh, I have to say, uh, you still have a spectrum for you to choose between the candidates. Uh, at least I, I don't see, uh, like, uh, uh, relatively moderate, like the Democratic Party, uh, except for the Kowloon West constituencies, uh, that they still have the chance for, 
you to run to choose uh, in the coming elections. Uh, so, so as specific party or any other uh, relatively moderate uh, candidates. So, uh, I, I I don't see uh, there is a very uh, a dramatic uh, change for, uh, for for the candidates, but uh, that is a part of the tactics within the election. Uh, so, I hope that. Uh, uh, if you are really a moderate voter, you have to think how to uh, choose a suitable candidate, but not a suitable candidate, but uh, 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 the, the people that uh, to change the situations that uh, which is aligned uh, with your uh, belief. Right. What what happens uh, if a candidate is qualified, uh, disqualified? So um, so he will he or she will make the decision to um, to to have a plan B. Or the next uh, in, on the list. Actually, uh, we have a mechanism. Is uh, the people who won uh, the election uh, that uh, if they are being disqualified, uh, they can uh, nominate another one as the uh, support uh, to uh, to succeed uh, his or her work uh, in the entire uh, election. So that is the mechanism work. So it's not the next person on the list. It's not the next. Uh, per- they can. Person. They can. They can not be on the list. They can be on the list. Uh, it depends on the tactics that they use. Okay. So if you have a very radical person who won the poll, you, you will get that. You get more radicals. You'll always get the same kind of person. Um. Actually. Actually, uh, uh, there is a, uh, a strategy that we, we, we always say that we water. Uh, they can support a radical candidate. They can support a moderate candidate. Uh, it is about their autonomy okay. to support anyone. All right. Well, we were out of time for this part of the program. Uh, Anne King, thank you very much indeed for, for joining us. One of the coordinators of the primaries, also a former lawmaker and a political analyst. Benson Wong, thank you very much indeed. Uh, others joining us after the news at nine. Please uh, join in. Email back, chat at rthk.hk. We'll uh, read out your suggestions uh, as far as possible. Uh, or you can uh, give us a call, 233-88266. The weather, fine. Very hot. Temperatures are up to about 34 degrees. Very hot weather warning now. 30 degrees. Humidity, 78%. The number of people going hungry increased by 60 million to nearly 700 million. Asia is the continent worst hit, but the numbers are rising fastest in Africa. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. This is Back Chat on a Tuesday morning with Ada Wong and me, Hugh Chiverton. We're talking today about the weekend uh, primaries among the pan-democratic camp. Uh, we have with us now Ventus Lau, a pro-democracy activist, also a candidate in the uh, primaries, and a former Civic Party lawmaker, Audrey Yu. If you want to join in the conversation, please pick up the phone, 233-88266. We'll put you on air. You can talk to our guests and to uh, the rest of Hong Kong, or you can email backchat at rthk.hk. Uh, or you can comment on our Facebook page. On Facebook, uh, Tom says many sw- seats swinging from traditional pandems to localists is revealing. The more the yellow camp turns towards localism and extreme opposition, the less likely they are to get things that many Hong Kongers want. The results of the last 12 months make that clear. The voice of the people on things like COVID-19 controls and medical tourism is useful, but it won't. But it just won't be heard if it's being screamed by a localist LegCo member jumping off a table while holding a Hong Kong independence flag. 
TC says, until the following questions are answered, I don't see much meaning in the results of the pan-democratic primary election. First, what is what happens if the winner of each GC or FC is disqualified? What happens if everyone who everyone who ran in the primary are disqualified? And second, the most important one, are the results binding? Are there any consequences from the pan-democratic establishment for not abiding by the results? Third, the primary election is related to the so-called 35-plus movement, uh, in which having an absolute majority in LegCo can force the government into making some concessions uh, in the five demands. There's supposed to be a common platform for this. So is there any purpose to the 35-plus movement, given that not every candidate agreed to it? And also the experience from the NSL's legislation demonstrates that the people in power can simply bypass LegCo by using Annex 3 of the basic law. And TC says, on another note, during the 2010 LegCo uh, by-elections, a.k.a. five areas referendum, traditional pan-democrats seem to be less than enthusiastic with uh, 500,000 votes. Why are Benny Tai and other pan-democrats so quick into claiming an exercise with 600,000 uh, votes a success? I hope I got the number of zeros right in that comment, uh, TC. Uh, and... Uh, uh, Anthony says, so the chief executive had said the NSL would only affect a few people. Now she's talking about subversion and the primaries. That's uh, 500,000 or so in the net. That's what you get by rushing through woolly legislation. She, Carrie, is getting more aggressive uh, and, and aggressive emboldened by the new law. That comes from Anthony. Right. Uh, Venteslau, good morning. Hello, morning. Yeah, you were a candidate in the primaries uh, in New Territories East, and um, you got into the list. Uh, you got a lot of support uh, from voters uh, over the weekend. But um, as I noted, uh, you were disqualified in, in the last uh, LegCo elections. So I would like to put this question um, asked by one of our listeners to you. So what happens uh, to your uh, to your candidacy when you're disqualified? You mean in the last time or? Uh, no, this coming time. time. If if uh, if you um, enter your nomination as a candidate and you are disqualified, so what's what's your plan? Yeah, first of all, I have to uh, have to emphasize that uh, nowadays every candidate would face the risk of disqualification uh, under the national security law. And uh, in my actually in my campaign, uh, there is a list of district council members joining. Uh, following me. So if I were disqualified, I believe that they can take my position and to run for me. Uh, won't they get disqualified because they take your position? I don't know, but, but we, have, we will have to try every, every method possible. And in, in the past experience, the, uh, the returning officer have to disqualify the candidates each by each. So that if I myself were disqualified, then the ones who follow me in my, uh, in my list should be able to replace me. So what, what are your feelings about uh, the outcome of the primaries? The, the more moderate and traditional um, Democrats uh, you know, are not really getting uh, the support, uh, but um, you uh, and other young, uh, younger candidates or you know, localists um, uh, you know, have won, won more votes. My observation is that, uh, that the deviation is not in a moderate or radical, but in terms of how the candidates engaged in the anti-ELAP movement in the last 12 months. You can see some, actually some candidates get a lot of roles, for example, Roy, uh, Roy Kong. Yeah, Roy Kong is also very moderate, 
but he gains a lot of votes. He is the win. He wins most of the votes in the super district council election. So I believe that the voters are not choosing only radical candidates, but they choose those who contribute a lot in the uh, anti-extradition movement in the last 12 months. What about that question also asked by by a, a listener? Is there any? Uh, are, are the results binding? Are there any consequences from the pandemic, pandemic establishment for not abiding by the results? Um, yeah, can the yeah. can the pandemics do anything if you change if you yeah. step out of line? I think given that there is a huge number of turnout, uh, that is uh, more than 600,000 people coming to vote, I think it is already a very strong binding effect. If any candidates who choose to um, continue to run, even uh, even they lose this primary, I think they will be punished by the voters forever, not only for this, this term, but forever. They will never get any support in their future because they, they don't keep their promise. So I think the number of votes is already a very good fighting effect. Audrey Yu, good morning to you. Hi, good morning. Thank you, Mitch and Dee, for joining us. What do you think we've learned from the, uh, from the, from the exercise and from the results? Um, I think, first of all, Hong Kong has moved to a new era. I mean, we are the post-national uh, security law time, and uh, uh, Hong Kong people also have seen that after sort of 23 years of having returned to the motherland, the one country, two systems, is becoming sort of more and more one country, one system. And the previous uh, way of uh, dealing with the government or um, uh, responding to the government is not really working, and therefore they won't change. And the second uh, point I want to make is that really, when you look at the results, it's, it's to me, it's always been Newton's third law of motion. You know, with every action, you get a reaction. And uh, the government has been more and more aggressive. And therefore, how, uh, it, it, how are the people going to respond? I mean, they uh, lots of them can't really respond uh, themselves because they have their, you know, livelihood to um, uh, sort of to be concerned with. And therefore, when they come out to vote, they will vote for those whom they think can best combat the government in this new era. And very often. Um, when you look at the turnout, sort of 610,000 people voted. And when you look at the votes, you see that a lot of people, and also uh, last year's uh, district council election as well, a lot of people voted not because they knew the candidate, but because, uh, you know, they they trust that this new candidate will adopt the, the tactics of the times and will be able to, you know, combat the government in this very, very aggressive days. Uh, when I say aggressive, I mean the government has been extremely aggressive uh, in terms of the passage of laws, arresting people, uh, prosecuting them and so on. And therefore people, you know, want an equal reaction. And, and you look at the result and you see uh, that's, as I said, the, the Newton's third law of motion. Um, I... I believe that um, you know all of your candidates, the Civic Party um, uh, candidates, uh, have uh, made the cut. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, a- as a traditional um, pan-democrat, do-, do you see the need to change the Civic Party as well? Well, in fact, the C- Civic Party has been changing since we first uh, was founded in 2006. Uh, we have been grooming new candidates. Uh, we understand that we have to move with the times. And uh, when you see that 
for this particular uh, primary, uh, we have fielded uh, three of our current uh, candidates uh, who, who all got through, made the cut, as you said. Just. And then we've also fielded one candidate who's a new candidate for Hong Kong Island because Tanya will not be able to run in this coming election because of her conviction uh, with the last prosecution arising out of the Occupy Central movement. And so we have to field a new candidate. He's much younger. He's, he has a JD degree, so he's a law degree. And uh, he also is a current district councillor. And he's sort of on the front line, so to speak. And uh, he's 31 years old. So uh, he is ready uh, and he is you know, like a lot of these young people uh, who, who feel, you know, very agreed with the government's current tactics and they want to do something for Hong Kong. So he, he is part of the new generation. Okay. Uh, our number is 233-88266. We've got a call on the line. Matthew. Matthew, good morning. Hello. Uh, I volunteered uh, at one of the polling stations. In fact, I uh, helped set it up and did a lot of promotion around the around the primary uh, in the lead-up. So I thought I might share some observations. Mm -hmm. um, I guess the, the first one is I think the, the organisation was just phenomenal. I think that was touched on by Al Nokin. The, the time frame that all this was set up in was very tight and I was really worried uh, last week that it wouldn't work well, especially the, the systems. Um, but... You know, from the first minute of the first hour, uh, which was delayed obviously by three hours because of the police raid, uh, it worked. It all worked very well, and um, you know the training of the volunteers and, and the way the, the whole thing worked and came together from Betty Ties and, and Power Democracy's level down to the field was was really quite quite phenomenal. And I think it speaks to the passion and engagement that uh, this kind of event can bring out in people and activating. People come out and do stuff, which is very, very powerful. Can, can, I um, also, can I also add to what Matthew has said as a user? I mean, I am amazed, and I must thank you, Matthew, and all those who have worked hard to bring this to fruition. I mean, I'm sure you have to overcome lots and lots of obstacles, and the police raid is the last minute. I mean, the way and the promptness you all responded to it, I mean, it's, it's, it, it gives me the feeling that probably you anticipated it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I wasn't involved at that level, but I think, you know, that... I'll touch on it in a minute, but I think that actually turned out to be a positive. But, you know, as those things were happening, like the Eric, Eric, Eric Jung's um, ridiculous comments on the, on the Wednesday yeah. or Thursday night and then that, and each time that happened, I thought I'd lose support um, of my volunteers or that it might be shut down. But, you know, the way Benny Tai and, and other organisers responded... Um, you know, with resilience and, and persistence and, and facts that showed that those things were, were kind of outrageous and pure white terror. It, it really had the, the opposite effect. And um, I, I've been on the streets for the last several weeks handing out um, uh, national security flyers. I've also volunteered for Chihuahua Dick. Um, and then last couple of weeks, uh, flyers on the primary election. And... Uh, our target on Lama, which is where my station was, was 100 votes. So I thought we might struggle to get that. Um, but what I saw in after Eric Jung's comments is you could just see in the faces of the people uh, that we were handing stuff to that the mood had changed. You know, you were getting kind of 
fist pumps and things like that as people walk past. Uh, the level of engagement and interest went through the roof after Eric Jones' comments. Yeah, that, that's what I meant Eric by Jones. Newton's third law of motion. I mean, when, <laughs> when the government says something, I mean, people just react to it. Uh, aren't you okay, Matthew? I mean, you know, you have this warning from from the chief executive and from the Constitutional and Mainland Affairs Bureau. You've now got them saying that uh, you know the whole process uh, might have breached privacy regulations, might have breached the ban on on large gatherings. Uh, apart from the thirty five plus plan and the whole idea of the of the uh, primaries jeopardising uh, the electoral process. Um, the uh, pro-establishment media up in arms uh, about this to say large numbers of complaints have been have been registered. Uh, y- yeah, okay, you can do fist bumps and so on, but you're playing with fire here, aren't you, Matthew? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not scared in the least because um, if you observe closely, you know the way these things are communicated and Communist Party rhetoric and things like that. You look at Kerry Lamb's statement last night. Um, you know. She qualified it with, you know, I haven't really looked at the information. <laughs> at the same time, she said, you know, there needs to be an investigation in this. So, to me, my, my, my sense is, and you know, I think the sense of well over 500,000 other people in Hong Kong, is that that is just pure white terror that was designed to stop people from coming out. Much like how they found, you know, terrorist, you know, terrorist uh, activity and bombs and things the night before every legal mass march. So... You know, also, I but it's at, not. But it's not an empty threat, is it? Because the it's well within the power of the administration to for to rule that everyone who took part in the, all the candidates who took part in the primaries are now disqualified. Well, I think that's the point, right? Now that everything is well within the power of the administration, so if we stop participating in everything, then you know we have nothing. <laughs> so you know the red the, the line is wherever the government wants it to be now, and I think that's what. I think that's what people understand. And although these threats were made, well, you know, before people came out to vote, we still had 500,000 plus people come out. And on Lama, the target was 100 uh, votes, which all the targets were set as 10% of last year's District Council Democratic uh, vote across Hong Kong. That's how they got to the 170 for the whole of Hong Kong. So I thought we might struggle to get that for the reasons that you're describing. You know, that people would be scared to come out or not interested or whatever. Uh, and we had gotten it by the third hour of the first day, I think, or, or sooner than that. And we ended up with 600-plus 600 600 votes on Lama, so six times what we expected. Now, you might... Last last year in the District Council, we got 1,000 votes, so you might say, well, that's not so much uh, to only get 600. But it certainly was way above my expectation when I'm tuned into this stuff. And I can tell you the previous highest ever voter turnout um, before, you know, all the troubles that we've had in the last year or so on Lama was uh, about 300 votes uh, on the Democratic side. So it was double the previous highest ever turnout. So, you know, what all, what all this means, I think none of us know because, as you rightly say, we, we don't know what the government's going to do. You know, will they disqualify everyone? Will they come and arrest me? Who knows? But I think what we do know is what the true nature of what we're dealing with is. Um, you know, that there is no negotiation with the Communist Party and, and with uh, the Hong Kong government anymore. There isn't really compromise. And, um, you know, we all have to make our own individual choices about what we're going to do. But I don't think we can delude ourselves that uh, there's going to be 
uh, suddenly suddenly going to be compromised and, and, and a happy ending. We just need to stand up and do what we can and what we feel comfortable with it, uh, each, each step along the way. Um, Venteslau. Um, thank you, Matthew. Bell. Yeah, th- thank you, th- thank you, Matthew. Uh, Venteslau, I, I'm wondering, you know, um, why uh, so many Hong Kong people are not scared? Uh, do, do, do you have, um, you know, have some thoughts on this? Actually, I think that Hong Kongers has faced a lot of intimidation throughout the last 12 months already. Even they come out to march or to join in any public assemblies, they have been threatened that they are, they are violating any many many laws, but they still insist to come out. So comparing to those who uh, face a direct threat from the police, I think Hong Kong people may think that oh, we are just coming out to vote peacefully. This is already the lowest cost they can bear. So I think uh, I think they would they would like to do something they could to support all the. The protesters, or even those who um, still insisting for democratic movements. Uh, okay, we had an email from this is from uh, Andrew F who uh, says, can you please ask Ventus, if elected, what specific policy proposals he would put forward to improve the lives of ordinary Hong Kongers? Obviously throwing jars full of smell, foul-smelling liquids and waving placards while shouting profanities at Starry Lee, etc., is impressive and constructive. But other than shouting, damn you, Carrie Lam, until they're ejected from the chamber while picking up $100,000 a month of taxpayers' money, what specifically will they do to address the Gini coefficient, subdivided housing and so on. That comes from uh, Andrew F. Ventus Lau? I think it would, be a, it would be very naive to think that you can still propose any constructive suggestions to government and the Legislative Council. It's very clear that without a democratic system, we can never change Hong Kong or we can never rebuild Hong Kong to a better place to live. So why there is a lot of people shouting that uh, we, we need to have new voices in the electoral, we need more strong resistance, uh, more resistance camp to join in the electoral. It, is, it means because Hong Kongers understand that we can do nothing within the establishment. Uh, uh, are you saying do. you have, you don't have any positive policies? You're, you only want to get elected to oppose the government? That is Hong Kong. It's Hong Kongers' decision that they, they decide to vote all who support the resistance movement in the last year. They are not voting for us. They are voting for the movement itself. So the last movement is everything about we oppose the government. We try to strive for our democracy and our freedom. Without a true democratic system, we can never rebuild Hong Kong into a better place. But still, you you should have your own uh, thoughts and platform on things like education policy, health policy and uh, urban development, right? Of course we have, of course we have, but I, I won't be so naive to, to turn the focus to all those detailed policies because it, it should not be on the top agenda right now. The top agenda is now under the threat of national security law. Hong Kongers are losing our very freedom of speech or even our freedom of thoughts. So without any freedom of speech or thoughts, how can you propose any policies positively with the government? So our first, the first priority is to... Uh, strongly against the national security law and to show the international, secu- uh, international society that Hong Kong is still insisting on our, protecting our freedoms. So it is our first priority. Okay. Um, over you. Uh, you have been a LegCo member for a long time. Can you imagine a new LegCo in, uh, uh, you know, after September? What, what would actually happen? Uh, 
Uh, it's actually nowadays very difficult to imagine anything uh, that's going to happen or not going to happen. Because I mean, they're not they're not going to get a majority, are they? Uh, I I really find it very difficult uh, even to say definitely whether there will be a September election because I mean there is also, uh, there's talk of the government sort of cancelling it, postponing it, disqualifying everybody inside. I mean, uh, you, you ask Ventrislau this question, but even for the Civic Party, you know, we, we don't know. I mean, we may be uh, disqualified. Our candidates may be disqualified from running. So you, you really don't know. I mean, the government looking at the result of this democratic primary may then come up with new ideas that, you know, it's difficult for us even to imagine happening. Uh, uh, for example, you know, this police raid that was just the evening before the Democratic primary. I mean, something that clearly, uh, I mean, caught us uh, outsiders by surprise, but clearly the organizers sort of anticipated it. So it's even, you know, it's difficult to tell what's going to happen in September. And every day, I mean, we wake up and find, for example, new regulations being passed telling us that, you know, for me, for as a lawyer, uh, a legal professional privilege is fundamental. But suddenly we're told, oh, under this new law, I mean, we have new enfor- people enforcing it. We have new uh, committees. We uh, uh, There is no need for search warrants. can be done orally. No legal professional privilege. I mean, things that we are used to, it's almost as, you know, as, as, as fundamental, as common as the air we breathe in. We're told, oh, it's now taken away. So you ask me what's going to happen in September. I say, nowadays we wake up to new surprises every day. Are you going to try and live with that? You, that's a new reality, isn't it? That's... No, that's exactly. That's a new reality. That's why when you ask people, like, well, what's the policy you're going to propose? Of course, I know the Hong Kong that, that I like and I want. But the reality is that if the government is heading along a certain direction, then the people react to it. And, and for, for everyday people like me or you or, you know, every ordinary folk, I mean, we, we can't change the tide. Uh, the government sets the tone and the people react to it. And to me, this, this primary, the, the result of the primary is a reaction to gov- what government wants to do and what the government has been doing. And the next thing that's going to happen is the government is going to react to it. And then, you know, well, yeah, that's, that's going the, to take us a long Well, exactly. That's, isn't that likely that they're just going to get tougher? They'll be more likely yeah. to... If, uh, last year at the anti-extradition uh, uh, movement, there was there was request a lot. Uh, uh, sort of eighty, ninety percent of the people said, "Let's have an independent inquiry. Let's have reconciliation, you know, between the government, the people, the police, and all that." But of course, that's all ignored. I mean, even when you have very sensible people coming up, and when you have, as I said, eighty, ninety percent of the community say independent inquiry. I mean, that was just ignored. So, I mean, the government cannot blame the people for, you know, uh, reacting in this way and voting in this way. And you ask me what LegCo is going to be like in September as if we have any control over it. Because when when the government is bent on, on doing something that the people don't want, you know, like, you know, refusing a independent uh, uh, inquiry and, and and insisting on the passage of a national security law and saying that's the will of the people when clearly it's not. I mean, you don't blame the people for then the, the outcome because we cannot 
control the tide. And the government sets the tone. I mean, that's, that's very, very important. So we, we have seen a lot of impasses. And what happens if LegCo is totally dysfunctional? Assuming that we have an election in September. Assuming, well, the government yeah. will just bypass LegCo. You know, I mean, the government has already been doing that. I mean, the, the government is saying, for example, under this new national security law, I mean, for expenses related to it, they don't need to go through LegCo. I mean, uh, the government has been uh, in in relation to uh, expenses that need to go through LegCo. They just chop it up and divide it into packages so that the limit is going to be below, you know, the, the, the limit for uh, the need to go to LegCo. So the government has their ways well, around it. I but mean, that like, would have the effect. The but that would have the effect for the pan Democrats of once again making themselves. Uh, marginal to the point of being pointless uh, and useless. Uh, if they gave a little ground and compromised and took part in rational discussion in the Legislative Council, they could affect things. They could better the lives of people in Hong Kong. They're choosing not to. Well, in fact, you know, the, the, the result of this uh, democratic primary is telling you that, that the Hong Kong people say that, look, I mean, for years, you pan-democrats have been trying to negotiate, have been trying to talk and to, with, uh, to the government and so, so on and so forth, and it's not working. I mean, it's, it's, the government is getting more and more reactionary. So we want somebody new. I mean, that, that is the clear message. That's coming out from this democratic primary. I mean, you may say, oh, only 610,000 people voted. You can say that, but there's a large chunk of the voters. There's a very large percentage of the registered voters. I mean, these are registered voters because it's not for anybody. It's not, it's not a signature campaign in the street. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, so uh, if, if you are talking about look, people's livelihood, but what people want, I mean, the registered voters are telling you, a large chunk of them are telling you what they want. And then you say, well, pan-democrats, you're getting marginalized. But, I mean, we've been trying one tactic, it hasn't worked, and so the people said, well, let some new people, you know, deal with it. I mean, that's the clear, you know, message from this uh, democratic primary. All right, a couple more comments. Uh, Alan says, uh, news report, quote, Carrie Lam has said that a coordinated effort by Democrats to win a majority in the legislature in order to oppose government policy may be illegal under the national security law, unquote. Anyone elected to LegCo is part of the government, so this is nonsense. What she's saying is that anyone opposing her policies is breaking the law. This clearly is the intent of the national security legislation to erase even the pretense Hong Kong has a representative assembly. The aim is to make LegCo into a rubber stamp, like all such bodies in the mainland. That comes uh, from uh, Alan. And AM says, uh, if the Hong Kong government stop any Democrats joining LegCo, what is the point of LegCo now? Is Hong Kong now moving towards a central committee reflecting uh, Beijing? That's from uh, AM. Thank you very much indeed for uh, all those uh, comments. Uh, one more here. This is from Andrew Kay, who says, seems the the candidates you have interviewed are all round-shouldered. No suggestions, no policies, just give us the money. All exercising freedoms they claim have lost. That comes from uh, Andrew Kay. And um, also on our Facebook page, uh, Benson Wong, who was with us in the first part of the programme, also says some raise the concern of disqualifying the candidates under the current system. A list of more than one candidate can be made. So if DQ the candidate, it cannot DQ the entire list. Second, according to experience in Taiwan, during the Tang Wei period in the pre-1990s, if the husband was DQ'd, his wife would then follow to replace him. 
thereby winning the seat. That's uh, from uh, Benson Wong, political scientist. Thank you very much indeed to our guests, to uh, Ventus Lau, pro-democracy activist, and uh, to uh, Audrey Yu, former Civic Party lawmaker. Uh, Ada, thank you very much indeed uh, as well. One quick uh, email relating to yesterday's discussion is from John uh, in Sai Kung, who says, uh, good to learn that Hong Kong doctors are marking up $500 COVID-19 tests by 100%, so profiting from a pandemic. That comes from John in Sai Kung. Thank you very much indeed uh, to uh, everybody. We'll be back at 8.30 tomorrow, leaving you now with the weather fine and very hot. Temperatures up to about 34 degrees in the urban areas and a bit warmer in the new territories. The outlook hot with sunny periods and a couple of showers in the next couple of days. Very hot weather warning in force. 30 degrees, relative humidity at 77%. Legislation on national security in Hong Kong is designed to safeguard national sovereignty, security, and development interests. It will also ensure that Hong Kong becomes a safer, more stable city. The legislation is aimed at an extremely small minority of those whose behavior and activities pose threats to national security. It will not affect the legitimate rights and freedoms enjoyed and exercised by Hong Kong residents in accordance with the law. National security law preserves one country, two systems, and restores stability. 9.33, the news now with Samantha Butler. A former core member of the disbanded Democisto party, Nathan Law, has revealed he's in London after fleeing the territory following the imposition of the new national security law here. On a social media post, he said he decided to reveal his whereabouts because he wanted the Communist Party to know that he's continuing to fight for Hong Kong. The head of the Hong Kong Doctors' Union says private doctors have an important role in persuading patients to take COVID-19 tests. Dr Henry Yeung says Hong Kong has had a low mortality rate from the new coronavirus and he puts this down to early detection, isolation and treatment. And the British government has made the wearing of face coverings compulsory in shops and supermarkets in England from next week. A statement from the Prime Minister's office said there was growing evidence that wearing a face covering in an enclosed space helps protect individuals and those around them. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Design. Great interpreter of Beethoven. And by oh so shy, quiet and retiring doggy council co-founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for advice, and not really for kids. Good morning. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Hello. The sign of what's happening behind the myth. Good morning. Inter- interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. Good morning, hello and welcome to Tuesday. Back again for The Morning Brew. Our usual friends with us today. Some interesting stuff to get into. Jared Watt sometime after 10.30. Latest from Aussie. Uh, including this. There's a lot in the Aussie press this week, of course, about C19, but also about various dealings with China. Uh, they are both positive and otherwise. He's going to tell you more and, of course, play a couple of...